some things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Kira Revan, and this, this is the Sunday 7. On today's festive edition of the award-winning Sunday 7, we're welcoming Christmas with a festive Iceland volcano. Find out how much trouble Elon is in with the EU. Check out the Christmas tree galaxy and relax on board a flight with a therapy dog. But first, on this day in 1906, a gentleman called Reginald A. Fassenden gave the first broadcast of entertainment by radio. He'd been working on a system to transmit audio for eight years and was hoping that AT&T would be interested in purchasing the system for use on telephones. But they felt it wasn't ready yet. If there's one thing Iceland loves more than Bjork, it's a good old volcanic eruption. It's not surprising, really, given that Iceland has about 30 different volcanic systems which give rise to about 130 volcanoes. Only 18 of those have erupted since records began in 871 AD when humans first inhabited Iceland. But those that do are often spectacular. This week's eruption has been coming for a while. Video footage of a crack appearing across the town of Grenovic went viral a couple of months ago and this week saw lava finally burst forth. Sky News science editor Tom Clark says that the slow process that has at least given the local population plenty of time to prepare. They did take precautions measures, large earthworks had been put in, big dams to try and divert the lava away to protect that uh, power station. So again, with the warning that they've had, they're able to mitigate some of the impacts of this eruption. So for the time being, we can sit back and uh, just admire these incredible footage of lava spewing out of this uh, four kilometre long crack in the Earth's crust in Iceland, uh, sending those plumes of, of lava and magma into the sky and then spilling out over the landscape. Social media has been filled with truly spectacular drone footage of lava erupting, but volcanologist Halidor Sigurdsson says while it may be dramatic, it's not necessarily anything to be concerned about. It certainly is a problem, uh, but fortunately this is in a fairly remote area and the lava is unlikely to reach the populated areas. This is also a type of an eruption where you don't get explosions. These are fountains of magma, but they're not caused by explosions, they're caused by just pressure of the magma moving up and the gases that are contained. So it's not an an explosive eruption, it's not going to impact aviation, but it it produces a lot of lava. uh, So the lava turns to rock and so it's adding to Iceland. Iceland is building up all the time. So apart from a bigger Iceland, it seems like it's just a natural phenomenon we can admire from afar. But the question is, for how long? Earth scientist and geologist Doug Durham says it's hard to tell and that lava remains quite unpredictable. I mean, how long is a piece of string? These these uh, eruptions can often last for several days, sometimes months, and in the, in the most extreme examples, um, several months. You can kind of see that there's obviously been a lot of activity in the subsurface. So the volcanic plumbing system is quite complicated. As magma moves its way up through the crust, it causes minor earthquakes. And in fact, the distribution of minor earthquakes forms a much longer line than the actual fissure eruption that we see today. It's been another not very good week for Elon Musk and the app formerly known as Twitter. Meta's Twitter killer threats has been locked out of Europe because of data protection issues. It finally opened its doors last weekend to what seemed like a very positive reaction. And that's not the only problem Elon is having with Europe. Let's check in with our Smart 7 tech guru, Will Guyot. 
So, Will, Elon's not really loving Europe right now, is he? How worried should he be? Oh dear, oh dear. As if things couldn't get even worse for Elon Musk and X, the world's richest man is now being investigated by the European Union for infringements including disinformation, illegal content, and there's even the suggestion that the paid-for service uh, X Pro, used to be Twitter Blue, the thing where you get the blue tick, has what they call a deceptive design. Now that's essentially fixing the visibility of posts on X in exchange for cash. And what makes this even worse is that X failed to provide any evidence to the EU after it asked for it, which triggered for the first ever investigation under this new thing called the Digital Services Act. Musk appears to now be careering head-on towards a lengthy and potentially costly investigation if found guilty by the EU. And it's clear the EU will want to demonstrate that this new Digital Services Act has teeth and can challenge the big tech leaders like Elon Musk and hold them to account. And at the same time, it would appear that Zucker and Meta have worked through their issues with the EU and will inflict even further damage to X with threads. Even if you don't use threads, and it's essentially an early Twitter without the hate speech, more than 100 million people are now using it regularly. And that's a sizable chunk of X's 350 million or so regular users, which took it over 15 years to acquire. It looks like Musk won't be getting that ridiculous cage match with Zuckerberg, but Zuck's managed to stick two fingers up Elon's nose without him even realising. And what's the issue he's facing with the EU? This investigation is focusing on a number of different areas, but one of the main ones is suspected breaches of its obligations, and that's about hate speech and misinformation, and that's particularly related to posts following Hamas's attack on Israel. The suggestions that X didn't do enough to remove content and also did not do enough to tackle hate speech as a result of this global incident. Is this where his mass redundancies of staff come back to bite him? Well, given that X sacked around about 80% of his experienced team in the EU over the last year, its policy team were at the centre of this. Those were the people who worked closely with politicians and advisors in Europe and were left with just a handful of people. So it's hardly surprising to see something like this has gone so badly wrong. However, X has given a statement to media on this investigation saying, X remains committed to complying with the Digital Services Act and is cooperating with the regulatory process. Now, if anything, this shows that X may have re hired a press team for media questions because it's previously been sending a poop emoji as an auto reply to all emails since Musk fired its PR team on buying the company. What's your prediction for X in 2024? It feels like we're at that stage where anything, literally anything could happen with X. And while it could be the penthouse or the outhouse for the platform overall, I can guarantee that trouble and controversy will continue and I'll keep calling it Twitter in 2024. Still to come on the Sunday 7, Esther Ronson starts a Dignitas debate and there's good news on Hot Flushes. Dame Esther Ranson was usually famous as a TV campaigner for consumer rights. She presented That's Life for 21 years and she was also the founder of Chiline. But now at 83, she's facing a stage four terminal lung cancer diagnosis. She made headlines this week as she revealed that she's become a member of the Swiss not-for-profit organisation called Dignitas. They offer their members what's known as physician-assisted dying if they have a terminal medical condition. She spoke to Radio 4 to explain how she's approached the issue. I have joined Dignitas. I have um, in my brain thought, well, if the next scan says nothing's working, I might buzz off to Zurich. But, you know, it, it puts my family and friends in a difficult position because they would want to go with me. 
And that means that the police might prosecute them. So we've got to do something. At the moment, it's not really working, is it? The fact that her family might be prosecuted if they travelled with her is what's on her mind. And she's calling for a new legislative approach to the notion of physician-assisted dying. But Professor of Palliative Medicine Baroness Finlay says it's not the solution. I would disagree with her because actually we have palliative care in this country. But what isn't working is access for everyone to the palliative care they need. We still have hospices only getting a third of their funding from the NHS. We're still relying on voluntary donations to make sure that people can live well for as long as they have. And Esther, in her interview, just showed you cannot predict how long people will live. And they need to know that they'll get the care that they need when they need it in a timely way that will deal with whatever problems get thrown up. Her announcement has certainly sparked interest in the topic and Labour MP Darren Jones feels it's something that needs to be discussed. Well, I think clearly there's a demand from the public um, to have this debate. And you know, if the public want to have a debate on an issue like this, the House of Commons is there to serve the public. And so it should... It should be debated, yes. New Health Secretary Victoria Atkins was very reluctant to be drawn on the issue and there's a report due on assisted dying from the Health and Social Care Committee. In the meantime, she seemed to be suggesting it would be up to individual MPs to propose legislation on the issue. Uh, This rightly is a matter for Parliament and for members of Parliament. It's a matter of conscience. Uh, I feel very honoured to be the Secretary of State for Health but I'm also very aware of the responsibility that brings and so it must be for Parliament, it must be for individual members of parliament um, and I, I shouldn't be I can't be drawn on my own views because I wouldn't in any way want to preempt that discussion There is good news this week for women who are going through menopause. 70% of them can expect to experience what are called hot flushes, also known as vasomotor symptoms. Simply put, women can suddenly and overwhelmingly feel hot. And because they can strike at any time, it can disrupt sleep and impact their quality of life. And up to now, there haven't been many treatment options. Hormone replacement therapy, or HRT, can cause issues for women with a history of breast or ovarian cancer, for example. But now, a new drug called Vioza, or Fezolintant, has been approved for use in the UK. Joe McEwen is co-founder of Positive Pause UK, which aims to educate people about the menopause and says it's an important breakthrough. Well, this is an, an amazing drug. It's UK developed by the team at Imperial College and it's been in um, development for, for many years. And we first started following this in 2017. So it's so exciting to see it actually birth, if you like, in 2023 because it's, it acts on the brain, it detects a protein and it stops this protein that produces the hot flush and it can be effective in one to two days. It'll be available on private prescription and then it'll be reviewed by NICE sometime in 2024 and then I think we can expect a, probably a, a massive surge of interest because women are reading about it now. US FDA approved the drug for use earlier this year and emergency physician and deputy dean of public health at Brown University, Dr Megan Rainey, explains how it works. The cool thing about this medication is it works directly on receptors in the brain that control your body's response to heat. Basically hot flashes occur because our bodies misinterpret temperature signals as we're going through menopause, which is what causes causes that feeling of sweating, redness, and and overwhelming flushing and hotness. This medication works inside the brain to counteract that. It has no hormones. So women who might not be allowed to take oral contraceptives or hormone pills because of risks of breast cancer or clots can take this medication. Still to come on the Sunday 7, it's getting Christmassy in space and we take flight with a therapy dog. 
right after this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. It's Christmas Eve, not just on planet Earth, well, as far as we know. In a timely astronomical update, researchers at Arizona State University have been busy using both the Hubble Space Telescope and the newer James Webb Telescope to zoom in on a particular galactic cluster. It's officially called MACS 0416 and it's about 4.3 billion light years from Earth. So far, so good. But what about Christmas, I hear you ask? Well, MACS 0416 is also known as the Christmas Tree Cluster. And as astronomer Roger Windhurst explains, there's more to it than just a seasonal celebration. The Christmas tree is this beautiful cluster with all the red and blue galaxies in the foreground and the background. It's the tale of two telescopes, right? We have had Hubble for 33 years and it's very good in the blue, ultraviolet orangey red wavelengths and then sort of in the infrared it stops and then we have web which picks off at the wavelengths that the eye barely can see anymore and then goes a factor of 30 further into the red so it goes redder than red which we call infrared and the powerful combination of these two which are mutually exclusive really gives us this panchromatic this beautiful multicolor view that you couldn't get otherwise. But it is the gift that keeps on giving because the longer you observe it, not only do you go deeper, but you will see other stars go across that infinity surface where the magnification is temporarily very high. It's like a swarm of bees where the bees you know, go around each other, but they move as, as, as a beehive. And, and the cluster does that too. And because of that, the gravitational landscape shifts with it. And so when the background object is fixed in the sky there, it, you will see the light of these background sty- stars flickering up and down. It literally is like a Christmas tree where you turn on the lights and set them on blinking. Space is not just about beautiful galaxies flickering in the distance, though. There's also the practical and science side. And as NASA prepares to send more manned flights to the moon and ultimately to Mars, there are some practical issues that need to be addressed. And, well, one of the most often asked questions of astronauts is how do space bathrooms work? With zero gravity, spacesuits and combined spaces, it's complicated. I'll let former NASA astronaut and best-selling author Mike Massimino explain how it works. You get rendezvous training and robotics training and space there would be potty training that's what they called it (laughs) potty training and we had simulate we had the space shuttle toilet that we would get trained on and in the simulator in the little training facility we had 
we had the real toilet that you could actually practice pooping in because you want to practice everything. Yeah. And we also had another toilet next to it that you wouldn't poop in. That was used to practice alignment because the key for pooping in space was hitting a very small target. It's not a big flush toilet. Okay. It's a little opening and you like open this little window to it and you look you look down, it's very small, so you've got to be properly aligned. Okay. Okay. So to practice that, yeah. this is where the instructors would leave the training for the area, you'd lock the door. <laughs> yeah. There was a camera inside oh, of this come train. On. Hey, I don't have nothing for you on aliens, but I've got this. Okay? This is the truth. These are the real deep dark secrets at NASA. They want you to talk about UFOs because yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. want you to know about this stuff. Travel in a post-pandemic world can be stressful. As the world gets back to hopping on planes and airports get crowded, it can be tough for nervous flyers. So Berlin Airport has introduced therapy dogs at the departure gates to give passengers with anxiety a chance to calm themselves and relax a little before boarding. The dogs are from the Brandenburg Therapy Dog Association and Kai Swinia says they take great care to make sure the four-legged workers don't get stressed either. Of course, we make sure when we're here at the airport, the dog's total working time doesn't exceed one hour. We take a short break after half an hour. We pay attention to the dog's signs and whether it feels well or not. And based on its well-being, we carry out our mission. It seems to go down pretty well with passengers and Jason Langenauer is one of those looking forward to a canine cuddle. I think it's fantastic, yeah, because I've heard about this program where the dogs are there to reduce flying stress. So, uh, yeah, it's it great to see it. I think it definitely will work. Like, who wouldn't love to see a little dog when you're getting your flight? This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.